Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And welcome to our live Astros Twins Game 4 postgame show. My co-host, Stephen Kerr, he's got his arms up in the air because the Astros have done it again. The Astros are going to their seventh straight ALCS in a row. It's one of the most unreal runs in baseball history, Stephen. Unbelievable. I'm going to steal a quote from the late Milo Hamilton. Are you ready? Take a deep breath. Hold it. Let it out. Man, what a game. (laughs) What a series. I'm telling you, Robert. There is just how many ways does this team find to amaze us? And, you know, since the fourth inning, the Astros had only one hit until the ninth, and that was Jose Abreu with a single. And that was his home run in the fourth inning was the last hit until then. Yet you still hang on and win the game. Unbelievable. Stephen, I tell you what, it's just, it's something that I can't even wrap my brain around what the Astros have done in the last seven years. And what's really hard to wrap your brain around is just the way they just do it time after time, come up enough with clutch performance after clutch performance after clutch performance. And they just look like this is another day at the office. Yeah, I know. And, and what's so strange, and you and I have talked about this many times, Robert, both on and off the air, is that, you know, for so long, the Astros were a laughing stock, or they'd get to the brink and they just couldn't quite get there. So the fact that they've done this seven years in a row now is incredible. And, and wouldn't you know, this ALCS is going to be an all-Texas ALCS because the Rangers are waiting. I mean, can you get a better storyline, a better script than that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, we're we're going to talk about the Rangers-Astros a little bit later in the show and maybe preview a little bit of that because, you know, this thing's going to turn around pretty quickly. I imagine in a couple of days we're going to be doing an Astros-Rangers postgame show, which is pretty cool. But I want to remind everybody, get in the comments. We yeah. want to hear from you. If you have any questions for us, any thoughts on the game, any thoughts on the Astros and the Rangers? What did you think of what Dusty did in this game? Whatever. Let us know and let's unpack it a little bit, Stephen, because postseason Pena saves what could have been, and this is going to be forgotten in everything, what could have been an awful start for Jose Arquiti with that diving heads-up double play. Stephen, even with the home run, you felt good because Arquiti gave up three rockets to start the game off. Yeah, that's what was concerning, Robert, is, you know, you, you can sometimes tell when a pitcher is is off or is just not going to have a good night by the contact of the opposing hitters. And, man, they were hitting some rockets. Yeah, you know, if, if Pena hadn't made that play, it could have been two to nothing or maybe even three to nothing if that runner had been, been on base. And then, of course, you know, Lewis's homer comes and the thing that was disturbing about that, Robert, is, you know, Urquidy often has a tendency to not be able to put hitters away. When he faced Lewis, he had a one-two count on him, and then he throws him a, a, a changeup that basically was over the plate, and Lewis just hit it out. I mean, how big that play was, you know, it, the score could have been a lot worse. 
Yeah, just uh, uh, it's it's going to be forgotten a little bit because we're going to talk about some other key people in this game for the Astros, guys that came through. But Jeremy Pena in this series, you know, he's just he's back where he was last October. It's unbelievable. So the second inning, Uncle Mike goes deep. You're not sneaking a belt high fastball past Brantley. <laughs> and then after a Jordan single, everybody's new favorite Astro. I know he's your new favorite. You guys have all jumped on the bandwagon. Jose Abreu does it again. Steven, I guess we'll take Abreu stinking in April and March in exchange for this. I mean, this is a fair trade. Well, yeah, it, it is a fair trade, especially, you know, it, it's, you know, if the Astros were able to get there mostly without him. I mean, when I say without him, I mean the fact that he just wasn't a, a factor really. But, man, that that whole thing... And, and, you know, the infield hit that um, McCormick got in the second inning, that that was quite a deal because, you know, Correa almost made a big play off of that, but uh, threw wide to first base. And, you know, then you talk about the next inning when Brantley has that homer, the fifth postseason homer of his career. And Michael Brantley, who we didn't have for 14 months, but when you needed Michael Brantley in October, <laughs> look who shows up. Steven, Jeff Bagwell and Jim Crane, they took a lot of hits, a lot of hits over the last six months about Abreu, Montero, and Michael Brantley. That's a lot of money in, invested in those three guys. We're talking well over $40 million just this year in those three guys. And you thought, Man, what a waste of money. We could have had a great starting pitcher. We could have had this or that. But guess what? It worked out. It's working out right now. <laughs> yeah, it's working out right now. And I, I didn't hear quite as much noise about Brantley because, first of all, this is Uncle Mike we're talking about. Yeah, we knew he was, it was uncertain about his injury, and it ended up he missed most of the season. He only played in 15 games in the regular season. But it was a one-year deal. So, yeah, it was a lot of money for that one-year deal. But it was certainly a lot less risk than you would say for the other two guys. But how big it is, you know, that you had him on the bench yesterday. You could have used him. You didn't. Put him in the lineup again today, and then he delivers. Albert and Brandy are in the comment section. We want to hear from more of you. Hello to you, both Albert and Brandy. So after the first inning, Urquidy just awesome until Julian hits a solo shot in the sixth. Dusty Baker takes him out after five and two-thirds. But Jose Urquidy, what a performance. In his last two games, Urquidy's given up two runs when the Astros needed to get into the playoffs and they were trying to clinch the ALDS. Just nails when it matters. And, Stephen, think about this for a second. Who would have guessed that the only bad starting pitching performance after four postseason games was Fromber Valdez. Fromber, yeah. I know, that is amazing. And, you know, Fromber still does have those tendencies to have bad outings. But, uh, you know, it, still everything worked out just fine. And Jose, Jose Urquidy, I mean, the fact is, he struggled a bit during the regular season. Of course, he had the injuries. But, man, when he gets in the postseason, it's like a whole new guy. And that's why I felt good that he was getting the start today. Here's what I figured, Robert, and this is basically what happened. If Urquidy was on, if he could just give us five innings, and he went a little more than that, he gave you five and two-thirds. If Urquidy was on, 
you knew it was going to be a close game because the Astros scored nine runs yesterday. You figured that wasn't going to happen today. The Twins, they were going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you, which they did. It was going to be a much tighter game. So you not only needed Urquidy to come through, but you needed the bullpen to come through, and that's exactly what took place. Yeah, and before we get to the bullpen, just one quick thing on Urquidy. You talk about how he's nails in the postseason. You just look at Urquidy, and you look at Christian Javier, and even Phil Maton. I mean, all three of those guys, I don't know if they have a pulse. I don't know if they smile. I don't know if they frown. They just go out there. <laughs> And, you know, it just seems like nothing phases them. Nothing, they are, their faces on the mound throughout their outings are the epitome of the Houston Astros. Yeah, it really is. And you know what? I I mean, it's fine for you to get excited and, you know, be all pumped up and pumping your fist and that sort of thing. But you can't, you, you can't win on emotion purely, especially through a long season. You know, you, you've got to measure it out. And I'm sure these guys are burning on the inside. But to be able to not show it and just keep your poise, I mean, the, the Twins crowd, once again, they were into it pretty much the whole game. But just as they were really getting into it, the pitchers found a way to quiet them. And so did Jose uh, Jose Abreu and Michael Brantley. They found a way to quiet them down when they hit those home runs. So, yeah, it, it really is. The, the coys the poise, rather, the calm, cool, and collectedness of the Astros pitching staff. It's it's something to watch. It really is. Maybe that calm and cool and collectedness, that's a new word that you just made up, coise. Yeah, it is. It's the the poise. (laughs) You can tell I'm excited, can't you? I can't talk. So, so Akiti, he does his job, and then you mentioned the bullpen. He gets to the Astros' big three in the bullpen, Neris, Abreu, and Presley. And we have been talking about this all year long. Neris and Abreu are just nails all season long. You know the story with Abreu. Everybody's talked about it. Hadn't given up a run since I think uh, Nixon was in office or something like that. And and then Neris, after that rough outing, his first time out in the playoffs, I was not worried because, look, Hector Neris has done it all year. I'm not worried about a blip in the radar Hector Neris does his job. And then Ryan Presley, the former Minnesota twin, the Astros got him in a steal that was one of Jeff Luno's real gems in his uh, last couple of years with the Astros. I mean, just comes in and handles it. And Presley, who looked shaky and this and that during the regular season, Stephen, and the postseason, Ryan Presley is just fine all the time yeah he did make it a bit nerve-wracking though because he got full counts on all three of the batters he faced he he got one on Polanco foul tip strikeout you had Lewis full count strikeout Kepler full count strikeout and and there was one batter Robert you know in that sequence Presley stumbled off the mound again and you know he's had knee issues all year my heart just sank because I thought oh no please don't come up limp because he he was limping a little bit he kind of walked it off a bit but he came back, and you know what? He did exactly what he needed to do. And I was also praying that you didn't get a runner on because the last thing you wanted was to face Correa, who would have come out after, who would have come up after Kepler if he hadn't struck out. You would have been facing Correa in a big moment 
in a one-run game. You didn't want that to happen. So Presley held it down and kept it from happening. Yeah, I kind of wondered. I'm like, Presley, are you just tripping on the mound just to build drama? What are you doing there? <laughs> or, or take some time to, yeah, I, you know, when he did stumble a bit, I, you know, of course, Mar Martin Maldonado went to the mound and a couple of the other infielders did. Maybe that was just to buy him some time. Maybe he was okay. Because I don't think the trainer came out of the dugout. So, yeah, th there might have been some, there might have been some, you know, some interesting uh, sports play at hand there. Steven, I, I got to go back to what has been the talk all year, the Martin Maldonado and Yonor Diaz deal, because here's my issue. My issue was never who's going to start in the playoffs because Martin Maldonado is maybe the leader of this entire club at this point in, in their history. And Martin Maldonado took you right to the World Series last year. He took one of the great pitching performances and called it perfect, you know, 11 games or whatever it was in the playoffs last year. What were they, 11 and two? Yeah. Called 11 great games in the playoffs and was just unbelievable. But look, Martin Maldonado, I never had issue with Martin Maldonado starting playoff games. I just don't. I'm not worried about that because you need his leadership in the postseason. My only issue was in the regular season, give him some time off, let him rest his legs, and give the kid some some more shots out there, especially because he was playing great. I just wanted to see him out there a few more games, and that, that was my only real complaint. But this time of year, this is why you have a Martin Maldonado. Yeah, and especially when Diaz started hitting the way he did toward, you know, the midway point and the end of the season, you kind of wanted to, you know, get him a few more at-bats because, look, Robert, this is, you know, anything can happen in baseball. You certainly don't want Martin Maldonado to get hurt, but if if that happened, well, guess what? You'd have to put Diaz in there. And I don't know if a few more games under his belt during the regular season would have mattered that much, especially when you're in the postseason. But, no, I think you're right. You know, it's kind of like, in a, in a football game, a team is ahead by 40 points in the fourth quarter, yet they never pull their first-string quarterback. They don't give the backup a chance. And then when the quarterback gets hurt, you throw the backup in and hardly has any experience. You know, that's kind of what you're playing with. Fortunately, it hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, you're right. You want Martin in the postseason because I'm telling you, I, I think with Urquidy, the same thing that he did yesterday with Christian Javier, I think Maldi – just knows he knows how to call a game it, it's just like somebody calling plays in football well martin calls the plays in baseball basically he knows how to call a game and he showed it again today yeah i said i credited maldi with 11 of the wins last year in the postseason scott reminds me yeah vasquez did catch that no hitter but it was a no hitter that christian you don't need you just need a robot back there uh, catching for Christian Javier because he's, you know, we know he's he's nails. Well, last year he was. And, of course, that was a bullpen effort, too. There were, there were a number of pitchers that came in for that, but you're right. Uh, but, yeah, Maldi is, is certainly who you want in the postseason. And, you know, regardless of his offensive numbers, I mean, he came through. He was two for three in game three. But it's his play calling. It's just being behind the plate, that, that presence. That's got to make a pitcher feel good. By the way, Astros pitchers struck out 53 twins. Of the five home runs they allowed, three were solo shots. Minnesota struck out more than any lineup in the sport during the regular season, but also hit more home runs than any American League team. So the problem with the 
Twins was they just, you know, they, they were just striking out. They were a home run hitting team. They yeah, they were all Dave they, Kingman's. Yeah. <laughs> Chris strike out or hit a home run. <laughs> Chris Carter, too. Astros. And Chris uh, Carter. That's right. Legend Chris Carter. Um, but yeah, that 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 is kind of a big story in the series. And you know, now we got the Rangers and, and boy, Steven, you want to talk about the grizzled veterans. What's great about this series isn't just Astros versus the Rangers. This is Dusty Baker versus Bruce Bochy. Wow. Who first managed against each other in 1995, 28 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I, that, wow, that boggles my mind. But I knew when the Rangers hired Bruce Bochy, I said, yeah, they're going to turn things around. I didn't know they'd do it quite this quickly, but it really doesn't surprise me. The fact that they have turned things around under Bruce Bochy and, you know, Corey Seager, they've, they've had some hitters come through in the pitching you know, you think about the Astros' woes with injuries in the starting pitchers. Man, the Rangers have, have really had it, too, because Max Scherzer, you're not going to see him this postseason. You know, they, they've had a couple of other uh, injuries go down, uh, players go down with injuries as far as pitching, but they've just held it together. They just keep coming through. And the AL East, Robert, what's going on there? I mean, they didn't win a single postseason game this year. The entire AL East division of, of the teams that were in the playoffs, anyway, and they've lost eleven postseason games in a row. And the Rangers had a lot to do with that by sweeping the Orioles. The Astros. Quick note: the Astros are eleven and one in games decided by three runs or less over the past two postseasons. Yeah, well, that's a testament to the pitching, absolutely. And as shaky as it was during the regular season and even even toward the end of the season, as we've said before, it's like they can flip a switch and now the bullpen is starting to feel like it did last year where nobody can hit you. Uh, just unbelievable. What about the Astros and the Rangers? And by the way, remind everybody, get in the comments. We want to hear from you. But what about this series, Stephen, when you look, towards the Astros and the Rangers, it feels like the Astros have a big advantage because they killed them in that last series, just murdered the Rangers in that last series. But Bruce Bochy has been there before. He's got his guys ready. They're playing well. Um, what do you think about this as, as these two teams match up against each other? Uh, I think it's going to be a much different series than that, Robert. I think it is going to be a nail-biting series. I, I just see it. You know, the the script is set up for it. I, I see this. This could go seven games. It, it really could. If the Astros are on and the Rangers are on, and, you know, they get a little feisty out there on the field too, don't forget. There, there could be some other extracurricular activity, especially being in the postseason with these two teams meeting. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an exciting series one way or the other. Uh, just anything can happen at this point. The Rangers have the momentum. Well, the Astros have the momentum too. So, Two heads are going to collide. Somebody's going to go down and not get back up. We are old enough, you and I, to remember when the Rangers and the Astros were nowhere close to ever competing against each other. In the regular season, for sure, because it just didn't happen. But in the postseason, forget about it, because they yeah. none of them ever would get to the World Series. It's yeah. only in the last, like, you know, 15 years, I would say, that this you can even think about it like this. So the question that I got for you is, Stephen, like, what what did you think about the Rangers? Because, you know, growing up in Houston, you grew up in Houston, too. But I grew up in Houston. 
I, I, I hated the Cowboys. You know, didn't like the Mavs because we would face them all the time. The Rangers, I was like, aren't they kind of, they're all right. They're the Rangers, whatever. They're kind of cute. And they have, unlike the other ones, they have, it says Dallas Cowboys, Dallas Map. Look, the Rangers were yeah. Texas Rangers. Texas, so yeah. You don't you yeah. don't immediately think of Dallas and all that garbage and the arrogance and all that. So it was kind of and even when Nolan went to the Rangers, it wasn't like, oh, he went to the Rangers. I hate the Rangers. It was like, well, at least he's still in Texas and the Rangers, they're not gonna <laughs> hurt anybody. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, a lot of the Nolan Ryan going to the Rangers, you know, part of that was John McMullen. So, you know, it's hard to get mad at the Rangers necessarily. But, uh, you know, my my feelings about the Rangers, Robert, were pretty much like yours. I, I certainly didn't consider them a threat. You know, it's hard to be arrogant when you're sorry year after year. I mean, their first few years in the American League, you know, they first they came. They were the old Washington Senators and they came as the Texas Rangers starting in the 1972 season. I mean, it was almost like watching, if, if you watch the New York Mets in 1962, their first year, I mean, the Rangers were terrible for several years after. I mean, it, it took them forever just to get, you know, to the average or mediocre stage. And, you know, they, they had some pretty good players. They had Jeff Burroughs. They had Ferguson Jenkins at one time. They had Billy Martin managing them at one point, although he didn't do very well. But you know, they had some names, but they just weren't a threat for the longest time. And now that the Astros are in the American League, you know, it's almost kind of sad, Robert, that these two teams aren't in different leagues that so they could meet in the World Series. But, hey, we'll take the next best thing and meet in the ALCS. And let's remember something. The Rangers used to be what team, Stephen? Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it, the Washington Senators. Right. I'm just reminding everybody. And... For the second time, a, the second Washington Senators. <laughs> yeah, and the remember, and I believe this was the second Washington Senators team that became the Rangers, right? And yeah, it's the second one. The, the Nationals, of course, could have been the Senators. They, they could have renamed them the Senators. They chose not to. But, yeah, it was their second stint in Washington as the Senators because they had the Senators way back when. But, yeah, the second Senators – they were only in the league 10 years before they moved to uh, Arlington. I'm setting all this up because I want to remind everybody. In the late 60s, the Washington Senators had a general counsel person. Do you remember who was general counsel for the Washington Senators back in the late 60s? I do not, but somehow I have a feeling he's got Astros ties. His would it be he's the grandfather of Alex Bragman. Oh and it my. was, remember that his grandfather, uh, until the team moved to Texas in the sale that he negotiated, Alex Bregman's grandfather negotiated the sale. Um, so, yeah, it, it, he, his grandfather is very big reason why they are the <laughs> Texas Rangers in a way. Yeah, and he helped right. the club sign, his grandfather helped the club sign Ted Williams as the team's general manager at one point. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's an incredible uh, sort of just that's something I think is going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit as we yeah. look forward to the series. That's right. Well, yeah, in fact, Ted Williams was the first manager that the Rangers had in 72. And he only he only lasted one year. He decided it wasn't for him. So he stepped aside. And I believe that's when Billy Martin came in. There might have been someone else before him or, you know, it might have been Frank Lucchese. He was in there, too. But, yeah, Ted Williams 
was the first manager that the Rangers had when they came in in 1972. And I want to remind everybody that we're going to do a Texans Saints preview tomorrow. So look for it to go up tomorrow night. Sean and I are going to interview a Saints or insider for that. But I bring that up because we always do our live Texans post-game shows on Sunday. And Stephen, guess who's playing game one on Sunday? <laughs> Astros Rangers. And we don't know the times, at least, at, you know, as we're doing this live, they haven't announced the times yet. So, yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Now, the Texans, they're, they're playing at noon. I think they're all, all noon games. So right. I don't think you're going to see the ALCS go that early. So it's, it's going to be after the Texans game, I'm sure. And it's probably going to be a night game. But I don't know. Major League Baseball, just when you think you figured them out in their marketing, they, they tend to go off the rails. So we'll just see. But I, I don't think you're going to see it at the very same time as the Texans. But again, Robert, you're going to have a busy Sunday with two postgame shows. We also should mention, before we finish up, let's just go through this Astros lineup. And you talk about everybody doing something. Chaz McCormick got a couple of hits in this game. Obviously, Altuve had the big home run to start the whole series. Not a great series for Jose Altuve overall when you look at his numbers, but he had that home run to, to get you going. He had four hits over the four games. Alex Bregman had that home run that we remember yesterday and, and, and another big RBI yesterday. So he had a couple of moments for you. Jordan Alvarez, I don't need to tell you about him. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can just move. He did many moments for him. Kyle Tucker had some big hits. Jose Abreu, don't need to tell you about him either. Michael Brantley, don't need to tell you about him either. Uh, Jeremy Pena, defensively, I mean, just fantastic. And then there was Martin Maldonado, who we talked. I mean, this is a team, team effort. Everybody, did, there wasn't anybody that you were just like, man, they just stunk and we need to get them going for the next series because they did nothing. Yeah, and this is the Astros' way, Robert. It's been that way since 2017. This is how they do it. It's not always how many hits you get. It's when you get them and how you get them. Or, you know, defensively, the plays you make. I mean, the, the plays that Pena made throughout this series. Bregman made a couple of really nice defensive plays. And, you know, that's something, Robert, we were kind of concerned about. The Astros' defense just wasn't very good this year in the regular season. But come the playoffs... They turned it on there too. So yeah, it's everybody in the lineup contributes something over the long haul. I mean, you can even go through the regular season and have some big moments that that really mattered. Almost everybody, if you're going to win a World Series, almost everybody has to pitch in, even if it's just one moment that got you where you got there. That that's really what happens, and that's exactly what the Astros have done for seven years in a row. Yeah, unbelievable. Seven straight ALCS appearances. Um, just, I mean, I couldn't even, as a kid, I couldn't even have dreamt this up as I watched the Astros for all those years. There was no dreaming about even two in a row back when I was a kid. Just no, nine. no. I, I often kept saying, when are the Astros even going to get to a World Series, much less win one? Well, it wasn't until 2005. They lost that one, and then 2017, of course, they won it, but it's tainted, I guess, you know, to most people. So the fact that they keep getting here, you know, this will be the third year in a row, Robert, that a team from Texas will be in the World Series. Will it be the Astros? Will it be the Rangers? 
We want Houston. <laughs> we you got it, Minnesota. <laughs> you got it, Minnesota. You got You're it, Minnesota. It. How's it feel right now? How's the it Rangers feel right now? Were, the Rangers were doing that. These fan bases just don't seem to learn anything, Stephen. Go ahead. <laughs> keep doing it. I, I hope the Rangers do it, you know, when they come to Minute Maid Park. Because, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, Robert, because I'm sure they're going to bring quite a few fans of their own to Minute Maid Park. So it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the crowd noise is like. I mean, you know, Ar uh, Arlington's going to be rocking. But Minute Maid Park, especially with the Rangers there, that's probably going to bring a lot more fans from the opposing team than, than you usually see. Yeah, this is going to be fun. This is a this is a family affair right here. This is a brother against sister, uh, brother against brother in the ALCS, and yeah, that should be a lot of fun. I mean, these two ballparks look like they were built by twins or something. It just looks very yeah. similar to each other. Yeah. Uh, the Rangers kind of look like it's a little bit of a copycat ballpark. Of course, we know Minute Maid way prettier than uh, the new ballpark in Texas. Why? But, certainly, uh, why? Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, keep keep and keep watching us. We're going to keep coming with the live Astros post game shows, and of course live Texans. So Sunday it's a double dip. Hope you stay with us for that. Don't forget to look for a preview tomorrow, and we're going to be talking about the Rockets. The Rockets. Hey, the Rockets won last night. How about that? Yeah. Okay, I know it's preseason, but come on, the Rockets won. And they looked good. I got to talk. I'm going to be talking about that tomorrow as well. The Rockets look good. The Rockets look like they've got a new coach. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. So, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, Astros win this one in a nail biter, three to two. They take the series from the Twins and move on to the ALCS. They win it in a just fantastic nail biter of a game and just Astros clutch again. Uh, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we will talk to you again. Well, I'm talking to you on Thursday. Me and Stephen will be back Sunday, but I'll be back on Thursday. So stay tuned for that and take care, everybody. Have a good rest of your week. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.